0: Welcome to another episode of Truths Be Told, the podcast, quarantine edition. I'm your self-isolating host, Lindsay Mullen, and uh, this episode is being recorded in my apartment, which... um, isn't really that different from what I normally do when I record, except the difference is usually when I record here, it's because I want to. And right now, I'm recording here because I want to and because I have to. Yes, that's right. Uh, There is a health crisis, a pandemic going on in our world. I'm sure you've heard about it, you know. God, I hope you're not hearing about it from me. That would be sad and scary. If that's the case, please turn on a news outlet. Talk to a family member or friend. Yes, uh, the coronavirus has um, swept the globe. And uh, we are all self-isolating. Hopefully, hopefully you're hearing this while distancing yourself from other people. And uh, yeah, this is unprecedented in our lifetime. In our parents' lifetime. God, I, I don't think this has been something um, that we've taken on as a human race since Spanish influenza in like, what was that, like 1918? So yeah, this is a weird time. And uh, a lot of us are scared. And I'm not going to dwell on it too much on this episode because I think it's so important to enjoy a slice of normalcy at this time. And, But I do think I should talk about it just for a couple minutes because this is a weird moment in history and it would be strange for me to gloss over it. Um The supermarket is weird The streets are weird Um This is day Nine of isolation For me Uh, I I mean I go on walks I go on walks By myself and I get fresh air And I listen to podcasts Because lord knows I need them right now And uh I have been affected um, financially by this situation, much like every other artist I know. I've been lucky though. I've been so lucky compared to every other artist I know. I have a family who's able to help me out in a tough time. Um, I was basically let go from my serving job because that's my job that keeps me afloat uh, as an actor, and of course, auditions are not happening. Uh, so really, I feel lucky though because I had a lot of friends who had openings of plays and um, shoots for things and, and huge career acting milestones that were going to happen for them, And those were effectively shut down or postponed. The only thing that I had postponed was an improv class I was teaching. And uh, other than that, and not having any income coming in, I guess what I'm saying is I didn't have any big dream jobs um, blow up in my face. So I'm lucky. And uh, I'm using this time to clean my home. My room is very messy. And uh, I also am trying to do things I never do. I don't read books anymore, guys. I'm the type of person now who will read half a book, get distracted and busy, and then forget where I was in the book or what was going on in the book. And then I just kind of give up. And I think that's really sad. So I'm taking this time to FaceTime with loved ones and keep in contact, and I'm taking this time to try and read and do spring cleaning and do all the things I was planning to do anyways that just take place in my home. I've had a lot of experience as an actor being unemployed for large stretches of time, so being Housebound is not that crazy to me. Um, what is crazy is this low hum of anxiety, this uncertainty about what's going to happen. And uh, I'll be at home and everything will seem fine and I'm just living my life. And then suddenly realize that I'm at home because everything out in the real world is shut Um, and also to experience the idea that the real world quote unquote isn't really that real everything we take for granted um, the the economic system, all the little pleasures of visiting friends in the park or or uh, going for coffee. All those little things can be stripped away in a moment. If you told me two weeks ago that this would be the intro of this episode of the podcast, I would be horrified. Who knew this could happen? So yeah, the panic and the anxiety comes in waves. I've certainly had a few breakdowns. I'll just burst into tears during all of this or think I'm sick because my body, my body's so worried. I feel like I have psychosomatic symptoms where I'll imagine I'm experiencing some things and then they'll just immediately go away once I'm not thinking about stressful stuff anymore. So yeah, honestly, in a weird way, I think this is a bit of a gift. Not the sickness and the pain and the suffering that everyone is experiencing. And honestly, people are experiencing extreme suffering. Please, I don't want you to think I'm being one of those uh, spiritual people that just says, your pain is a gift. It's That's not what I mean. I mean, for me personally, I feel like I've been given a moment to stop and take stock of my life and my choices and what I want out of life. I feel like if you're in the position to do so, you should sit down with a notebook alone in a room and really... Take an inventory of where you're at in life. Are you happy with career? Are you happy with the relationships you've cultivated? I certainly learn a lot about my relationships when I'm in a time of trouble. That's for sure. Sit with yourself. Sit with the uncertainty. Meditate. Take some time to think about your life as a whole and all the things you might take for granted use this time to disconnect from the uh, commercialism and capitalism we were all brought up on (laughs) I've had a couple urges to go buy things, isn't that insane? everything's shut down I'm not supposed to be frivolously spending, and yet I have this desire to, to buy something. I think we're addicted to buying things to feel better. It's very strange. Okay, I could ramble on forever, and this is beginning to feel a little bit like I'm Will Smith in I Am Legend. Is anybody out there? Can anyone hear? Can anyone hear me? Are there any survivors? Guys, I'm going to end the talking about coronavirus on a positive note. This is what I'm going to say to you. The fact that you're listening to this podcast right now is a very good sign. It means that you shut out all the news for an hour. You stepped away from panic and you chose to do something that feels good. And I promise I'll stop talking about coronavirus and get to my fun topic in just a moment. I just want to praise you for, for doing something normal that feels normal. Um, and you're doing way better than you think you are. No matter how painful or scary this is, you're doing tremendously and people care about you. And this is not a forever state. This is temporary. And there's a very, very strong chance that in the near future, our life is gonna go back to normal and we will say, wow, I spent all that time at home and I just spent it panicking and I never fixed that shelf. Why the fuck didn't I fix the shelf? I was at home for weeks and weeks by myself with nothing to do. And all I did was watch Love is Blind on Netflix and have panic attacks. Honestly, guys, if you're wearing pants right now while listening to this, you deserve a high five. You are killing it right now. Okay, let's talk about this episode. This episode of Truth Be Told, the podcast is all about moms. Yeah. The episode is called Mommy Magic. Because moms are magical, aren't they? Yeah, they are. They're beautiful, lovely, selfless beings who bring us into the world and uh, they work so hard to take care of us and set us on the path for the rest of our lives. And... Um, God, motherhood, I imagine it's very, very tricky, which is why I'm putting it off as long as possible. But I want to do it one day. I do. I'm just very scared. Because the relationship between myself and my mother is very complicated. There's a lot of pain there, much like there's pain between my father and I. Oh, I love my mom dearly. Uh, but you know, I feel like I've been spending my adult life making up for being kind of a kind of an asshole in my childhood, and um, I have a lot of resentment and a lot of issues and hang-ups. And we've done family therapy, but I do feel like. I'm turning a corner with stuff with my mom and I feel like she's put in a really strong effort to turn a corner with me. And over the last year, we've really we've really become more connected in a new way and I think we're redefining our relationship and I feel so much more appreciative of my mom. I was trying to think of a story about my mom for you guys and of course there's a million But, I don't know, it was weird. I couldn't think of one with a beginning, middle, and end. I mostly thought of, like, sweet anecdotes, like her singing to me, or when I was little, her holding me in front of the bathroom mirror and saying, who's that in the mirror? And then three- or four-year-old me says, Lindsay and mommy. Um... I think about how my mom's a scatterbrain who forgets everything and sometimes says a lot of dorky things and how they used to make me crazy and I'm happy now that it's beginning to be something I can love in my mom. A lot of the things that used to tick me off are now slowly becoming things that I appreciate. And I appreciate that she's been patient with me through this whole pandemic because I phone her a lot and um, she's trying to be there for me and I can be emotionally exhausting as a human being. I have a lot of lows and a lot of highs and I'm kind of hard to read and my mom struggles with that. So yeah, listen, I have a lot of anger towards my mom about stuff, but at the end of the day... It's a relationship that has helped me grow spiritually, and um, I'd be devastated if she wasn't around. So, I love you, Mom. Ooh, I'm feeling a little weird. Well, uh, that's just probably the pandemic talking. Love you, Mom. Uh, Let's keep it light. Let's keep it light. Guys, the quote of the episode is by American news journalist Barbara Walters, Mm -hmm. and her quote is, motherhood is tough. If you just want a wonderful little creature to love, you can get a puppy. You see, guys, none of the sappy mom quotes really connected with me. Um, but, uh, that sassy quote did. Listen, just because you have a mom doesn't mean you're close, doesn't mean the relationship functions normally, doesn't mean anything. We're all just doing our best. All right, I'm very happy with this episode, guys. There's lots of amazing women on this episode. And, uh, the panel discussion also, Let's start with that. I don't normally start with the panel discussion, but it was incredible. So I wanted to make sure you guys heard it first. Um, And the stories, amazing. I'm so lucky I had these guests on the show and that I recorded these interviews and stories um, right before the pandemic picked up speed in Canada and we all started isolating ourselves. So, guys, stay strong. Um, you're on my mind. And uh, we're going to get through this. Here's the rest of the episode. Hello, I'm sitting with Christy Bruce and Aurora Brown. Hi, they, hi. Uh, hello, hi. hello. They are both uh, um, comedy performers, actors, improvisers, sketch people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Chrissy yeah, Bruce yeah. wants you to know she's the star
1: of stage and screen. <laughs> <laughs> she is, yeah. She's, she's like, like, more like co-star or like neighbor. The neighbor of star and screen. Yeah, she has moments on
0: screen that you go, who's that lady? I'd like to see more. Oh. Right? Yeah. And also, I mean, you and I know each other because we performed in Blind Date which was a show on stage, and then you do so many commercials and TV appearances. It was very good. Oh, thank you, Lindsay. You're very good. Uh, Aurora Brown, hello. Yeah, hi. We don't know each other as well. You were no. on Baroness Von Sketch. Yes,
2: yes. Which is a very exciting show that everyone talks about. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, thank you for for saying that. Uh, um, yeah, that's that's my job. You're one of the that's main a, ladies. I'm one of the main ladies. Yes, I do other things too, but that's kind of been the main the main thing for the last little bit. It's just so exciting to say, so I had to say. It. I know you. You've had a full career so far. Yes. So far, I will say I do not book as often as Christy Bruce does that,
1: because you're busy filming your TV your your own <laughs> TV show. <laughs> okay.
0: Well, I'm very excited to sit with these two ladies, and we're going to talk about the topic. Of motherhood. Mm. And I thought, if I'm going to talk about motherhood on this show, originally I was stupid. I was like, oh, I'll talk to two guys. And I'm like, why would I talk to two guys?
2: Because really? I just thought
0: I'd ask them, like, are they mama's boys? And what's, oh. what's your view on your mother? And like, I thought I'd get really pop psychology on it. And then I went, why on earth am I not interviewing mothers? And then I thought, ooh, I wanna interview two people that I would think. Oh, that's the kind of mom I'd like to be. Oh. Yeah. So I wanted to interview you both and uh, ask you about your lives and um, your deep, deep, uh,
2: deep thoughts on being a mom. Well, just before we started recording, maybe I should should let our listeners know about this. We were just talking about perimenopause. Mm -hmm. Perimenopause. What is perimenopause? It means about to happen?
1: It's like, it can be like two to 10 years before menopause yeah it's when the estrogen starts well although then i read that estrogen starts declining once you hit your 30s yeah so then it's Great. just the more declining of the estrogen
2: i mean i have no idea because like i got pregnant when i was 37 uh which you know what i heard growing up was like after 35 like it's just mm-hmm. a shit show you can't do it there'll be something totally wrong with the baby mm-hmm. you know whatever so my baby was fine how old are you when you got pregnant 35. Yeah. So, so we're See, both this doing is, pretty this well. is why
0: you guys are my, my goals, because I would like to do it, like, at 40 or something. Yeah. I don't... Have a life I, first.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm certainly... I think I'm a better mom now than I would have been had I had a baby when I was 22 or something. Plus, my options for fatherhood much better now.
1: Oh, could you imagine? How oh. big, I Sometimes I think that, like, what if I, I actually know, got I... pregnant with the people I dated... Mm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <Bless>.
2: Yeah. <laughs> oh, that would've been something. No, I'm very happy. But you know, they, you know, like when when people get older, like the grandparent. Like technically, I could be a grandmother right now. Mm-hmm. Actually, not even technically, um, fully. And uh, grandparents make like more chill parenting figures, mm-hmm. and so may, so I feel like I'm a little more chill now. But but you were mentioning perimenopause yes. because because I think I in last September I think I might have dropped my last egg because <laughs> I had the most intense like you know when you ovulate you have like hey that like could we, maybe let's think about a family like everything's possible kind of feeling, and I had the 36 hours like it was like i'd been hypnotized and all i could think about was babies and i was convinced that chris and i i like was texting him saying like be home so we can try this what wow. so that we could have another one i was just convinced it would work even though i was about to head into like a season of shooting and somehow. but i just needed to do it and um, it didn't it didn't happen um, and then the since sex
1: or the baby <laughs> the baby
2: <laughs> and that day the sex he had, he had a lot of appointments to go to so it was like oh we missed the window and then i the, the feeling went away and then, like, not even a few days later, I was like, what was I thinking? Um, but then, just now, I've had my first, like, hey, it's been eight weeks since I've had a period kind of thing. It came, but, like... So you think that was, like, the, the
0: death rattle of your fertility being, like, let's, let's do it. Let's get, let's
2: get one more. That's absolutely what I thought it was, yeah. Oh, my
1: God. See, this is funny, because I've never craved children. It was a, I got drunk, and it was a surprise. My beautiful child. Super fertile. Super fertile. Who I babysit sometimes. Yes, you do. Brennan. Yeah. 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 I'm, yeah I was like, the lesson of it only takes once. <laughs> mm-hmm. But I've, I've never, I've like, I've never had that, like, I, I just get super horny. I've never had, like, I want babies. It's just the sex part without the baby. This mm-hmm. is the
0: other reason I wanted to interview you on this topic. Right. Is because uh, you... You've been so open and honest about how you didn't really feel maternal for a long oh. time. And I think that's really refreshing because I think women feel very, very, uh, like, crazy or weird if if they're not like that. Like, people make them feel bad about
1: it. Yeah, it's the story that we've been told that all women are natural mothers, that all women want to be mothers. And I think the story of... Why I talk so openly about it is because I do think that that narrative has not been spoken much in in our culture and I think it's a really important one. And I actually had a lot of women come to me when I was pregnant and then after I was pregnant being like I don't like really want to be a mother either but I think that maybe but my partner wants me to and I don't know like can you tell me what that's what, what the process is and it's just like so individual. It's just mm-hmm. that idea of like not every woman's meant to be a mother, and motherhood isn't something that's just naturally like I'm sure you had the same experience. Like, you you I know, you did because we, you know, but it's like you have a baby, it's not natural, nothing's natural about it. We don't have community anymore. Mm-hmm. Like, it used to be like a, a tribe of people helping you, and now it's just this isolation of like this screaming child, and this and you're just al- alone with it, and you're just like,
0: what? so, um. What was the process for you? Like, how did you feel when you first found out you were pregnant versus, like... You told me once that you fell very much in love with Brennan over time. Over
1: time, yeah. yeah. It wasn't, like... I was terrified my whole pregnancy. I cried all the time. I called my sister twice a week, being like tell me again why they're good (laughs) (laughs) um, and she didn't always you know her whole thing was just like you will feel a love that i can't describe it's indescribable until you feel it you won't i can't explain it to you and i'm like that's bullshit this is not helpful um then i had brennan it was very that moment of like not tv but just like okay here we go like you held him in your arms and you're like whoa all right here we go here we go my friend like okay it's, it was so bizarre, and then I f- have fallen, I fell in love with him. And also, like, I'm, of course, I, th- I do have that undescribable love, right? Of course mm. I have it. But it, it's interesting, because I also was watching the whole process when he was a baby from, like, a slightly pulled-back perspective. And I am mm. like, oh, pheromones are fascinating, Hor- attachment hormones, mm. psychology that are brains go through like I was it is very much like this is how we survived as a species like my little ape brain I was fully aware of that
0: wow you know I think it's really good that you say that
1: the because I think I think there's going to be people that
0: listen to this episode that go oh good I'm not alone with those feelings Mm -hmm. um so I want to ask you guys what is something that people don't talk about in regards to motherhood that you would only know if you became a mother. Because, for example, um, I didn't know only until the last couple years about anything about birthing, for example, and then I found out some facts that I went, (laughs) why does no one talk about this at dinner? I know it's disgusting, maybe the idea that you might shit yourself while you're giving birth, but there's so many things everyone keeps hidden about Mm. motherhood, just in general conversation I'm not asking for gory details but are there things about motherhood that you're like no one told me this and I wish someone had
2: I mean, I can't say... Nobody warned me in in one way because I could I, I del- almost deliberately didn't read any books. I had read books before, but while I was pregnant, I couldn't handle reading books because every time they read, at this point, your baby is developing, blah, blah, blah. I was like, my baby is damaged and, and uh, I've done something terrible and it's going to turn out badly. It was fine. Uh, he was fine. Um, that nobody told me... I think it's almost impossible... To describe to somebody what it's actually going to be like. I remember my brother-in-law saying, if you could really know how hard it's going to be, nobody would do it. Mm-hmm. Like, nobody would willingly wow. go into that if you could tell. And I think that the everything will be fine impulse that we all have. Like, I'm not going to crash on the highway. I'm not going to get coronavirus. You know, like, that is like, it won't be like that. You just can't know. And it's good that you don't. Um, because it is... It, it's so hard. the sleep deprivation, mm-hmm. I don't think people's all the stuff that is related to the body um, we don't articulate uh, as much. and women have been pushed into this existence on this continent where you know you're so you're so uh, yoked to what your body does and what your body looks like and all those kinds of things, but at the same time you aren't supposed to really talk about it because it's shameful or whatever people have religious ideas about things. Um, but it was I don't think I realized how often. I would picture, um, disaster. I mean, you know, I kind of do that anyway on my own, you know, like I have that, that melancholy kind of tendency that a lot of artists do, but I was just constantly picturing what if that truck careens off the, the side of the road and, and, um, and kills us both. Or when like Chris and Sebastian are leaving the house, is that the last? I'm just like always kind of on that, that, um, uh, alert kind of thing. And, and you seen, never did that before? Um, a little bit, but not the same. Not to the same degree. And I've, I was watching, a, there's a thing on Netflix right now about babies, and they talk about they literally took M- MRI scans mm-hmm. about people's brains. And so, it's not just mothers. It can happen to dads too, if they're the primary caregiver, but mothers, their amygdala basically opens up and never closes. So you're just it's an actual observable right. change in your, in your brain, and, and you you are just always worrying about stuff. And even now, like it's it's less now, but the distress. Like, I um, I remember Lisa Brooke talking about this. Uh, I, I couldn't watch the news. I couldn't, any movie at the time that had kids or babies being mistreated in any way, I couldn't, I just couldn't watch it. Wow. Like, I, I, I had already read The Road, couldn't reread it, couldn't go see oh, the movie. Uh, the oh, Road, no. yeah. You know, even the movie, what's the movie, Shine? The one about the, the guy who's the, the pianist. Yeah. And when he's a kid, his dad abuses him, yeah. and like I just I, I I couldn't. Nobody tells you how vulnerable you are. You suddenly start understanding all these movies. Like, couldn't watch. I for sure can't watch Sophie's Choice. You know, like like anything like that. But even yeah. the the tiniest things. Like I'm you, I'm just much more in tune to, um, to that kind of suffering to the point where now I think I used to have some sympathy or like try to have understanding for people who did horrible horrible uh, things. things to kids can't anymore like it's like yeah. it's just to kids at the very least it's like I don't understand how wrong their brain must be that they do that oh, mm. the
1: whole well, yeah this is, this is a comedy podcast but like the whole, <laughs> but the whole like pedophile the whole sex mm. trafficking of children yeah. yeah yeah I've read this article you might want to cut this out because it's not fun but no read don't this worry they, yesterday wait. about Pornhub and how they found a 15-year-old girl who'd been missing for 2 years and and her captor had been putting her up and they uploaded it. So Pornhub has been complicit in child sex rings and they're not getting shut down, these men are not getting arrested. And then people google like the number 3 or number 6 looked up thing is teenage sex and it's just like this is a problem of our society. Yeah. The models are all 13, 14, 15-year-olds, they're being sexualized this obsession with youth, like it's, it's really, un- <laughs> <laughs> yes. I can't tell you, but in no, that, no, that kind it's- of stuff, like it makes me want to really barf and just hold Brennan, like whenever I read any articles about that kind of stuff, I just want to hold him and not let him go, because yeah. I'm so scared that that might happen, and then I just feel so much for that, the people that that's happening to, mm-hmm. but then people, you know, like when people complain about those Amber Alerts, I'm just like, can y'all just take your heads out of your asses for two seconds? Yeah. For two seconds and understand what that person might be going through, yeah. and what the parents are going through. That's because that's unexplainable. People that lose their children. I don't, oh God, I don't, yeah. I don't think
2: most people. Like I remember walking around once he was out, and I was looking around at like the at the playground and thinking. So wait a minute. All these other people are also low key or high key in love. Also, you know, because you are just like in love. And it, I think it's a testament to to our biology that, like, even if you're not, com- you know, inclined towards motherhood, the, your body and evolution okay. have so many, like, little rewards for following the biological imperative. Like, your, you know, the, the amygdala, all the kind of stuff. Like, your hormones, all those things. Like, the hormones that come from breath. Like, all those little rewards from, like, touching and loving and holding and protecting and stuff like that. Like, it's, it just suffuses you... All the time, but you you don't want to be like the lame parent. Like I just love you. Although I'm f- full on that parent now. I'm just like, hey, I just want you to know that I love you so much before you go to school. He's like, I know. You tell me every day. Um, No I, but you, you just do. You just really do. That makes me feel better because sometimes I feel like I might be too
0: selfish to ever be a good mom. Because mm-hmm. I I think I like the idea of having a kid in a very. A abstract way. I'll go, oh, it'd be nice to have someone and then we have someone they kind of look like us and they're always around. <laughs> <laughs> <Like, laughs> <Artism>. oh, <yeah. laughs> it's
1: looks like me.
0: You know what I mean? I know, yeah. And they're chubby and they're cute. We're yeah, having yeah. so much fun. And uh, But then I go, oh, but I, I know all the worst parts of me. I've become well acquainted mm. with them. And I go, oh, maybe I wouldn't be good at this. But something tells me that maybe what you're saying, that, that biological something kind of helps a little extra.
2: Oh, yeah. Yeah, it has to. I remember thinking when he started smiling, I was like, thank fucking God oh, that he started smiling because this was so hard. you got to have some kind of reward. So when yeah. they do smile, yeah. they, they smile as soon as they can. You know, like smiling, laughing comes later. And it's such a rush when they do. It's like you're lucky that you do this because I oh. would smack you against a wall yeah. like
1: for, you know. And Brennan took forever to smile. And oh. like, he, and then he would only smile for Paul. <gasps> oh. Mm-hmm. Oh. Someone who was keeping him alive? Me. Who did he smile at? Paul. He is a very funny man though. Um, <laughs> um, how, but how? yeah, I was just like, if you don't smile, I would. Like that idea. And I always tell new moms, like friends of mine that have kids. I'm like, just so you know, they're cu- they're adorable and cute because they are, they're literally the devil. They're literally the devil. They do nothing but suck the life out of you. Literally, if you're breastfeeding. uh, Time-wise, sleep-wise, they're horrible, horrible fucking creatures. (laughs) Jesus. They're so cute. Um, And then there's this biological thing that's happening. This amygdala is fascinating. Um, And I still feel that Brennan drives me crazy sometimes. And I'm just like, you're lucky I love you because I don't like you. Which also, I think, is okay. Because I always had this fear that if you fight with someone then the relationship was over. Like, that's that's my own burden <laughs> to go Oh, it's mine too. I'm, uh, I, okay, yeah, yeah right. Because uh, I never really heard my parents fight. So I was like, well, if you fight with your partner, then it's a bad relationship. Um, oh, but I'm, then, I'm so opposite. I, know I you feel are like opposite. I'm around all
0: these people. <laughs> and they're like, like, I'm around you guys. And I'm like, where are you guys going? It's not over yet. I know, you, are, you <laughs> like to fight. I don't like it. It's just a compulsion.
2: <laughs> i wish i could fight more but i'm the same way i'm like well Sorry. clearly we have to break up now because you know we've had a disagreement about yeah, the dishes
1: yeah. right and obviously you don't love me or something's wrong
2: yes exactly i'm wrong you're wrong this is all wrong i it's funny though you know what i have actually a better relationship with sebastian a more open relationship with him than i have with anybody else about because mm-hmm. i always feel like mm-hmm. shame about my anger but something about like the fact that i am the mom you know like Hey, Sebastian, I have to tell you that made me really mad. I'm sorry that I yelled at you, but it did make yeah. me, you know, like I'm way more healthy in how I, he knows me in a way better than anybody because I'm like, I don't feel the weird, like I can't say anything to him kind of thing. Like, because I'm like, no, I have to tell him about this. Let's talk about it. How is he? But it would really, like, uh, I think my past therapist would be really proud
1: yeah. that obsession to like create a good Human oh, to yeah. send a good human out in the world because yeah. we're both raising sons. Yes That idea of like consent was a conversation that I started having with him as soon as he could talk Yeah, like this kind of thing of like I got to send a feminist out that door I got to send a good someone who's gonna be a good partner. Yeah,
0: right like, Who yeah.
1: like takes care of himself and knows how to talk and how to fight and know that you can have arguments And then you talk through it and
0: so ownership. this inspires me for, in a very short succinct way I would like each of you, because I have more things I want to ask. Uh, I would like each of you to say, what is the way you think as a mom you've, you've done good with your kid? Like the thing you think you've, uh, you know, like you're saying uh, you're helping raise a little feminist. i trying. Yeah. Uh, what's the thing you think you did well? And what's the thing you're worried? Oh God, this is the baggage I may have laid.
1: Oh, we all lay baggage for oh, sure. Yeah. Uh, I think,
2: I think we're pretty, Chris and I are pretty happy that there's so little shame in oh, in Sebastian's great. life. A, I'm going to go out and let me say this. We are not religious. We're atheists, and all the stupid levels of shame, to me, in my opinion, that come with uh, different religions about body and different genders and stuff like that, that just isn't there. Um, we're pretty... I think not to plug improvisers, but I think big improvisers, you know, there's a lot of like, (laughs) sure, man, you know, like you want to try this. There's a lot of patience. Like, sure. We'll try your offer. You know, like, yeah, let's do it this way kind of thing. So I think there's that. Sometimes I worry we've made him too loved or too, uh, coddled, not maybe emotionally. Like, is he going to be okay with, you know, like we do a lot, you know, like there's like fun play and teasing and stuff like that. But I wonder, uh, what he what I, what he will do when we die? This is again like the disaster mm-hmm. thinking, but it's like we haven't given him any, any siblings, so when we're old, like our parents are getting, what the what have I done? You know, like and also like what have yes. I done yoking him? I we, I wrote a sketch about this. But it was like what have I done? Why did I bring him into this world and yoke him to a body that is going to live in the planet that we are currently fucking? That's what I'm worried about. Well, that's also interesting. You guys
0: both have only children, yeah, which. Uh, does that have a little bit to do with career choice as you are both performers and so...
1: Yeah, economics. Yeah.
0: Um, I am also an only child.
2: There's lots of them
0: now. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I think it's more common.
0: But, you know, it can turn out okay.
2: Yes. I've met
0: only children that are fine. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God, we better have another baby. Oh, God. Christy, what
1: is it that you think you're doing uh,
0: great with and what are you worried you will leave with Brennan
1: Mm, I don't know I'm not yeah I I I know I've broken him in many ways and that won't come out until he's in his 20s but we all do that's what parents do I think we just break each other in in weird delightful ways we have some kind of self-care project in your life um I think I feel like we're we're very Paul and I are both very good at uh expressing love making sure he knows he's loved uh and for me that ownership of uh when you uh Of fighting like that ownership of like uh, acknowledging and owning when you have misplaced your own inner anger on towards someone else on towards is that a word probably not but it is today uh that's what I, I don't know and fun and like fun because my big fear is uh because I have depression I'm terrified that I've passed that on to him Um, Paul has anxiety we're terrified he's got you know and you just kind of go I don't want him to suffer the way I suffered so those tools like how do I give him those tools to like not have the struggles that I had he will have the struggles this is what I'm really worried about but I don't know but did I do a good job I don't know you're doing a great job (laughs) can I ask you about this while we're on air because
2: I have this same you know like I've had my own stuff. My family has a, like, history of, my dad's family particularly has, like, a documented history of of mental illness and stuff like that. And sometimes I take it a little bit further and I think, like, how horrifying is it? You could do all this great stuff, like, Mm -hmm. uh, know they're loved, they're good, you know, they're, like, you know, good communication, all this stuff. You could shepherd them, they, like, become adults, they're out in the world, and then when they're 23, he could suddenly get... Mm -hmm. um, uh, Schizophrenia? Schizophrenia. Yeah. Yeah that that like that's always kind of sitting there right like yeah. it, in my mind anyway it's it's because like that kind of stuff things that you can't mm-hmm. control because like we try to do that same thing of like you know that he knows he's loved and he knows it and he knows how to say it and he knows he's loved for who he is great but what about all those other things that like you know what if we've planted a little time bomb in his head with oh, our own God. DNA? it's just like will i fuck him up yeah
1: yeah yeah and the dna they come out real they come out there people yeah, like that was the other amazing thing that's super weird is that when the oh. baby comes out yeah. and you look at them <clears throat> like Brennan <clears throat> literally looked around he didn't cry for a really long time and then he didn't stop crying but he didn't cry oh. and he just was looking around and I was thought babies were crying when they come out but he didn't look. look and it was literally that look of <sighs> this again Fuck this again <laughs> yeah like so old and, like, his looked, like, past a lives or <laughs> kind of guy and he's just like yeah. so and he just has this really old soul energy and then he just has his own personality like he is his own human being that came with the package that's the mystery of life to me of mm-hmm. like what is like what is out there what is the universe mm-hmm. but then when these little things come out of your body and you're like oh shit you come fully loaded with something
0: yeah, I, I want to ask one more question. Uh, maybe it's too personal, but I feel like we've gone so personal in this sure. that why not? Um, how does, and this is one of the reasons I'd be scared of having a child, how does having a child affect your romantic relationship? <laughs> like a fucking bomb.
2: Um, you can never... Uh, I mean... You can never know in a way. It's, it's quite, I remember Chris expressing that it was quite astounding. He's like, I've never been around a pregnant body before. Like it's a huge change in your body. And then you may, your, your, your vulva and your vagina might be in okay shape after you have a baby. They might not be. They You can have, um, depending on what happens, like I had a cesarean. Uh, some people, you know, it's like the baby's like an explosion coming out. Uh, oh my god! You, you had a I had
1: an exploding baby. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, ripped his way out of. My oh baby. my god! This is the scary thing That's I'm talking about. It's <laughs> Stitched up. Yeah, Frankenstein. It's fine. It's, it, it's all good. It, it Did the nerves very regrow? Well. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Good. <laughs> oh, like weird ass reaction. I mean,
2: there's that, but also like the, the sleeplessness and the, um, uh, are we, you know, the division of labor. I want to get back to what you said, like what you said earlier about like the isolation. Honestly, like the way we have our architecture mm-hmm. is, is it fucks. Families. Mm-hmm. If we were literally in a village, like it takes a village to. Look for you. If we were in a village that had like you know my dirt floor just goes right out to here to your yes. dirt floor, the baby could run over there, literally just physically run over there, and you know if he tumbles, that's fine, it's certain you know, kind of thing. But we have locked doors, stairs, streets, the barriers between mm-hmm. you and other people who might be able to help you are big plus the other people who really know what you are going through are the other people with little babies and they can't help you because like, they're doing their own thing did
0: you see that documentary babies yes Yes. Yeah. we watched it repeatedly and they had like four different babies growing up on different continents mm-hmm. and honestly the baby that looked like it was having the most stress free mm-hmm. upbringing was I believe
2: it was in, in Africa? Africa the Namibian Nibib- baby yeah. Running. yeah she was running before the other ones were even standing yeah and yeah.
0: everyone was just kind of hanging out and everyone seemed really really. Relaxed and it seemed very communal. And Mm -hmm. it's
1: not all on you, yeah. Yeah.
0: And then when they showed places in the Western world or places that um, had a high density population, it just looks so chaotic and stressful, yeah.
1: Yeah. And lucky on this street because we have like this little laneway. and I remember when Brennan was a baby and Paul was on a TV show at the time and he wouldn't stop screaming, wouldn't stop screaming, like, and uh, I just had that thing of like, oh, I know why. I know why people shake their baby now. Yeah. I know why this happens. Yeah. I know, and I called my neighbor, and she came right over. She's like, "I'm here." And she, Adrian, was amazing. Like she would to all. She we call her the baby whisperer. She would just come and she just took him into the bathroom, turned the fan on, sang some French song. I went upstairs and cried for thirty minutes. Yeah, came back down, and just to bring it around to your question, it's hard to feel romantic
2: or sexy when that's happening to your life, especially if it's set up where like the only other person who comes in and out of your life regularly is your partner mm-hmm. and they may or may not be able to help you with all the stuff. And you may be like, it's very easy when it's just two people and a little baby that they're new at to blame the other person. It's like, I it feel like I'm doing 90% mm-hmm. of the work. And like the news is actually both people are probably doing 90% of the work. There's just so much more to do. And you're all, you're both sleep deprived. It's, it's very hard and if you have, it's like it's like traveling. It's like dating somebody and then going on a tra- on a on a like a backpacking trip. The moment you get into that other airport, it's like, oh, this is the flaw in is- our relationship, <laughs> and this is what this exposes. And like, if you don't communicate well, the lack of sleep and all those difficulties will will di- will show you if you're going to become a team together or apart. I've, it's hard. I've it's hard. heard like statistically or something
0: um, that. That it is the hardest part of a marriage is the first two years of having a child mm-hmm. together because mm-hmm. it just, it's so much external, like you're saying, body stuff, tired, everything. So that if you don't have a relationship that's already uh, strong in its foundation, mm-hmm. the whole thing can crumble. Like it makes or breaks you. Do you guys agree with that?
1: I think for me, my experience is that it was interesting that Brennan has. In, in times of real struggle in, in our relationship, Brennan was the, sometimes you fight for him. There were times in my marriage that I wasn't fighting for the marriage, I was fighting for Brennan.
3: You know what I mean? For his,
1: wow. not that people yeah, don't, like people are fine having divorced parents. I'm not putting any judgment on that. I totally understand it. From my situation and where we were, I just spent, uh, there, were, uh, there were months and months where it was just like, I, I'm doing this for him. Mm-hmm. And, to, and to see if we can. And so I, and I think I think Paul was the same, was in the same place that if we didn't have Brennan, sometimes I wonder, like, what would have happened? Because it just gives you another reason to really fucking work. Almost all my married like, friends who have kids have told me, some variation of that comment the scales, where right? they go
0: i don't yeah. think for the emotional turmoil we've gone through i don't know if we'd be together i've been told that by friends and i always found that really shocking but they said no i'm still happy I'm
1: in yeah there. yeah well, you get to a such a better deeper level of oh, relationship and yeah. understanding because there's just so many warped ideas of what relationships are what yeah. marriage is and not, that's a whole other conversation but all that's like so much of that's not true but then you just get to the yeah, bare bones of it.
2: Yeah, I mean, you go from, you know, in the beginning of the relationship, it's fun, you, you're lovers, mm-hmm. and then you switch to like, oh, we're together, and then suddenly you're like, people in a, in a war zone. <laughs> you're in a war zone <laughs> oh, together. Oh, God. So, you know, like, so you learn very quickly about the other person in the same way that you would, in a way, you know, there's that, that the end of the honeymoon phase around two to four years where it's like, oh, all the, all the, the window dressing has dropped and I really see you. Mm-hmm. And, um... Mm-hmm. So it's it's I, I absolutely agree a hundred percent. Like there are times where I was like, okay, I want to keep Sebastian happy. So he's happiest when he has the two of us mm-hmm. happy. So it's not just like it doesn't just involve staying for whatever. It's like yeah, it's, I have to really yeah. stay. You know, like I have to really <clears throat> think like how can I be happy with this person? And then it just it just it keeps that commitment and there's huge dividends for staying like mm-hmm. I'm absolutely so happy that we did that you know yeah. like you know because it's like relationships are tough on their own um but 100% huh? I'm saying that so often this morning but yeah absolutely uh, a good organizing principle Hundo P. Hundo P. <laughs> Hundo P Hundo P I <laughs> did for him and I'm so happy that I did oh my God. but it also really helped that like um that Chris again just touting improvisers as parents. But like Chris is hilarious and I find him hilarious. And even when we were like, where I'm like, I don't even know if I want to see you today, but you're making me laugh because we can both laugh and smile about this little kid that we both love so much. So it, it just keeps you in the game in a way that, you know, if you threw in the towel, uh, you wouldn't have experienced and God, I'm so happy. And I have to say like, you know, this is, but I think of you guys as a very happy family and I, and I'm pretty aware, you know, like I've been aware of like what you're talking about, about, you know, like not wanting to be a mom or, you know, those kinds of feelings. But I also think of you guys as such conscious parents because you, yes, you know, yes. like, that you yep. consciously... <laughs> yeah, no. You're not just, like, we're I'm squeezing serious. them out and seeing whatever and, like, not paying any attention to how you are as people. Like, I think the two of you both is, yeah. like, really people who are really sincerely putting the effort yes. in to do the work on yourself. I've and... come
0: over here and I've sometimes seen you be so conscious and caring about relaying a message to Brendan. If he makes a mistake or something, that I'll just sit there on the couch and go, Oh, my parenting instincts are bad compared to this. Cause I, 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 I go, wow, my parents did not take the time to be emotionally present with an issue mm-hmm. this way. I've noticed the
1: exact same thing. Well I, think it's yeah. really mar- well, I think too, a lot of it is this thing of like, i got to take down the patriarchy from the inside. i got to send a little soldier out. In a way, but it, no, joking aside, but it's kind of true. The society is shifting, and I think men have had it really hard because they have had this thing where they've been told not to be emotional. They've been told that uh, the feminine is bad, that all this stuff, that, you know, and I think it's just like, and he's going to go out in that world and uh, and just to have the strength of of, of his own emotion. I think... Part of it is protecting him from, if those depression demons do catch up to him, to give those tools of emotional mm-hmm. awareness and emotional knowledge. Um, I think that helps in going, oh, okay, wait, this is what's happening to me. Mm-hmm. I can get help or I don't know. I'm, I don't know.
0: What I'm I doing. want to ask one last thing because we're, we're going long, but it's such a good conversation. Oh God, Sometimes it's, it's going <laughs> so good. And right now I feel like it's just like, there's a million things I want to ask, but I want to distill it down to one idea. Okay. Um what are the struggles that you face um, dealing with the idea of identity? Because mm-hmm. you know how our society likes to go, oh, you're a mom now, mm-hmm. or or they take away your right in a way to feeling sexualized even because you're a mom now. Like I've seen comments where people don't want a mom to dress a certain way because she's a mother now, or or just how that affects career. How do you guys find that uh, society puts a label with the idea of mom? Have you struggled with that? Is, is, do you feel like it gets, your identity gets lost in
2: motherhood at all? Well, I don't know that the acting profession really confirms a woman's identity to start with. So let's just start <laughs> yeah. there. It's, it's not like we're yeah. being given the full spectrum and they you know stop giving you all the other juicy roles. I, um again i think that i have a bit of a a bit of a f- fortunate thing and maybe you've had this too where like the maybe specifically the, the toronto improv scene like you know if you even if you're getting on stage you're doing stuff like you you do have these outlets whether it's for you know seven people at the comedy bar or you're you know like getting a getting a role that you have more of a creative outlet there to a degree you have a bit of um In improv, it's like, you know, well, I know like, you know, this Saturday night I'll be able to be whatever character I want because I'm an improviser and have those skills. I will say, though, that after I had Sebastian, I suddenly got like for several years cast as angry mom, exasperated mother, um, angry pregnant woman. Uh, oh, angry mom. like it was it was weird and like I think this little line here between my there's
0: a line she's
2: showing uh, my little thinky, <laughs> my little resting bitch face line. it paid the bills it was weird and I had like you know I think if like if you had like me and Goodhue you wouldn't say Goodhue's gonna get cast as the Zen yoga instructor and Aurora's gonna get cast as the angry person not true at all we t- oh, that's totally what got it and I don't know if I just was that so that's what I was giving out but there's a lot of whether you're a mom or not in real life, you're cast as a mom so much. That's what is available to begin with. If
0: you're yes. over
1: twenty-three, you're yeah, a
2: mom. yeah, yes. It, it has started happening to me in the last
0: few years. Yes. Yeah, and yeah, uh,
1: you're the right age when I moved to Toronto, like- that was it. I was always young mom, young mom, young yeah. mom, and then I, like way before I was a mom. And then it was it's so funny because I was in Toronto for almost ten years before I actually had a child. And I'm just it's like the, the, yeah. the like the thing of like and now who plays. The mothers of 10-year-olds, of, of 30-year-olds, you know what I mean? It's I like played, do, right, I,
3: where...
1: I was in a Canadian tire
0: commercial where they brought me in for the callback to be the wife and mother, and the, the husband in the commercial was in his late 40s, early mm-hmm. 50s, and I showed up for the callback, and no joke, my audition paper, everyone else in the room's about 43, all the other women. My paper said younger wife option. And I booked it. Of course. And my husband was like it he felt weird about it. I felt weird about it. It was it was so weird and I thought this world is Yeah. Backwards. Even in this theater, like, weird.
1: you know, you'll start auditioning. You'll be doing plays really young and the, the men that pl- are playing your fathers. And then once you hit 30, the men that were playing your fathers seven years ago, eight years ago, are now your husbands. So women in this industry are screwed. We're screwed. I don't know how you fix it. Hopefully more women get in there. Like your show is amazing for representation mm. for women in their in their 40s. In a way. But you know who we hire mostly is dudes. Well, yeah, because you don't need to. Because if if there's a there's a I've
2: thought about this a lot. Like we've had Bates on, yeah, many times, yeah, and we have never had you on, and
1: I'm I really have, sorry. I, I really gotten sorry. an audition. I'm so for that sorry. Stuff. We were in I'm... Second City together, Lindsay. Listen, let's talk about this. <laughs> no, but Jesus, you know what? No, and, that's like, true. It, like if you want to get technical about like the industry, my mom's always like, "How come you're not like you should get on that? Bit? You should get mom. I love my mom. You people should love to it. say that." Like, and I'm like bless them yeah I would love to do it the fact is though they don't need another white woman in her 40s like that's that's just and that's I'm not offended by that I'm not insulted I don't feel like I have a right you know what I mean like that entitlement thing I'm like no it's it's, it's stacked. It's stacked with Yes, and this is
0: what I feel when I'm Which gone so out, great. I've auditioned for Baroness a few times and I go... For young some, people. For remember, like, we had you us like, you know, like, the person just
2: out of school, not the mom. Oh, part. yeah, no, yeah. I was
0: going, oh, thanks, okay. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, it's so much better than the, the, the new mom thing. Yeah. But, um, I don't know. Yeah, it's very weird. Actually, weird thing for me is the first few years I was in Toronto, only playing high schoolers, like sketch comedy TV shows for Disney and YTV, only playing high schoolers, Uh and then they immediately made me young mom. I've never been a girl in her 20s, ever. I've never had, like like, ingenue, romantic, whatever, nothing. They skipped it completely. And yeah. now I'm like, okay, Google, this in- play a lullaby. It's like-
1: innocent, like, you're beautiful and innocent looking oh, at this. Like, inside, you're nothing but dirt. Like, <laughs> yeah, like, they don't know that. No, they don't <laughs> know that. Stop. You know but right I think that, like, that's why, yeah. right? Because you look like a young, fresh teen. And then they're like, oh, well, we don't. There's something about your look that they... They don't want to sexualize, or I don't know what it is. Who mm-hmm. knows? Who knows what it is? I really appreciate all of that. You're welcome. Even the dirty part. You look parts. like a
2: teen right now. I just kind of want to lean over and, uh, and like touch the skin right soft, under your eyes right smooth. now. Like, ugh,
0: guys, this is a cosmetic dermatologist in Yorkville. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. Really? What do you? I'm not joking. What are you? Doing? An ounce of prevention. That's what I was told. Are you, what are you doing? Oh, we don't. Well, it's mostly sunscreen. But mm. um, I go to this lady who um. She's always on the Marilyn Dennis show. Oh. This this lady. I I know this is crazy. A few years ago, I was like, "Okay, I'll go to a dermatologist and see." God and goodness. and yeah, and she's just like, "Here's what you need to do." And I was stupid. I paid a bunch of money for like a a system thing. And I did notice a difference. It works. I'm usually broke, so I can't afford to do it, huh. but I've been really trying mm. to
2: See what what happens. See, I don't think you should cut this from this podcast because every there's so many conversations with, with especially actors, like it devolves, to, not devolves, but it ends up this way, like, so what are you doing? You know, like it, like this kind of stuff. Like it's such a it's such a thing. Like I have a regime, I don't do it, but uh, I have. I'm the bad bad about at home. it. To
0: it, I have the, I have a regime, but a I'm bad about it. Yeah. I, I'm not great. I got a whole system, and then I I'll watch like uh, Vogue or YouTube videos. Where there'll be uh, much more successful actresses using like jade rollers on their mm-hmm. faces and talking about their skincare regime. I don't know if this is self
1: care um, or self hate. Not sure yet. It's both. You're so right. Both. Because yeah. listen, the beauty industry is run by men. And yeah. so everything you read on magazines, doesn't matter if the magazine is edited by a woman, she answers to a man. Mm-hmm. And so this idea of fighting the natural aging process... Like, I was thinking the other day on the on the, on the the subway, men don't dye their hair. Old men, like, older men don't dye their hair. It looks weird when you see a man who's dyed his hair. It's distinguished when it's they distinguished have a little, little brain. Brain. Yeah. And, but but 90% of women dye their hair. Mm-hmm. I dye my hair. My hair's dyed. I, but more and more... I'm seeing women that are like naturally not in our industry so much because I've talked to my agent. I'm like, I'm just going to go gray because I'm already had auditions that are for oh, middle-aged women, 45 to 70. So all of a sudden I'm, I'm erased, right? I'm gone. I'm <laughs> gone in the TV oh world. God. I no longer exist. So I might as well just get gray hair and be super hot grandma. When right? I like, yeah, when I
2: have, uh, like on our trailers, uh, for Baroness, we have, you know everybody has like their names and stuff but we don't put our names on just in case like you know somebody in the public gets weird about it that kind of thing so we have code names on our thing and mine is middle-aged woman number two because that i couldn't think of anything more innocuous that people would ignore (laughs) oh my god yeah and it
1: works Oh, nobody's, man. you know,
2: coming. To, uh, yeah, nobody's like broken in to my trailer so far. <laughs> That's
1: like a whole separate podcast, yeah. though, about women yeah. and aging in the industry. And it's sometimes I'm like,
2: one. fuck it, you know, like I, you know, I've got this journey of being a human lined up. You know, don't get in the way of me being old. You know, like, uh, but also like I smoke weed every day now, so it's like I'm sure that that is like doing something to my it's skin. Making you relaxed.
0: I it's think, making me really. Enjoy I think it's great. Food. It's yeah. it's helping with you not furrowing your brow because you're calm yeah yeah Yeah. guys we
1: all look great
0: this is everyone on this couch looks (laughs) great
1: Uh,
0: (laughs) guys thank you so much for being on the show i could talk forever because this is just like you guys are so interesting and fascinating with this topic uh but we are going very long so thank you so much for being on the show uh thanks no problem bye bye Hey everybody most of us right now are stuck at home socially isolating ourselves for the greater good of humanity which is awesome by the way good on you for doing that but we're human beings we want to connect with other people and thankfully technology has brought about dating apps And there's a new dating app that you can try that I recommend you try. It's called Hi, spelled H-I-I-I. And Hi Dating App does things a little bit differently. It has quizzes and games that you can take with the person you're talking to. Yeah. So instead of just having to contrive a conversation and feel the stress of having to come up with something to say to a complete stranger, You can enjoy these built-in icebreakers. It's like playing cards against humanity with another person or showing off your sense of humor while playing a board game. Takes a bit of the pressure off. Hi Dating App actually reached out to me and they asked me to make one of the quizzes on the app, which was pretty cool. And I could make a quiz about absolutely anything. So... I'm insane, so my quiz is called What Type of Emotional Terrorist Are You? I have a sick sense of humor, and so I hope two people are getting to know each other by taking that ridiculous quiz. If you want to take my quiz, go to hi.com slash told, and please download Hi Dating app from the App Store. It's springtime, guys, and we may be cooped up inside, but pretty soon, we're going to be back to our regular life, and uh, we're going to want to meet all the hotties we start talking to on High Dating App. So start building that sexual tension right now with someone you think is cute on High Dating App. Okay,
1: bye-bye. <music>
0: I am sitting with Shohana Sharman. Hello. Hi. How's it going? Uh, good. You are a comedian, a, mm-hmm. an amazing sketch comedian, and uh, a
4: person I've just met. Yeah, yeah. We met just a couple nights ago, and it's been great. It's just... been really good. <laughs> real short. You would, but real you sweet would describe so far. Our, our two minutes of conversation <laughs> as great. I would say it was at least four minutes, but yes, it's okay, been you're wonderful. Right. It's been great.
0: <laughs> good to know you're counting. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so you told a story on stage the other night and I knew I had to get you on the podcast because it really affected me. Mm. And it's a story about your relationship with your mother.
4: Yes. Uh, So I have a thing about remembering dates and any story about my mother I feel like should naturally start with my birthday. Uh, So I was born on October 30th, 1989 in Bangladesh. It's a small country on the southern tip of India and it's a very Muslim country. So I was raised by a fairly conservative Muslim mother. Um, she, she was wonderful. Uh, but we did butt heads from time to time. Uh, especially when I was, so when I was young, around six years old, um, my parents decided to get very serious about my education. They decided that, you know, if you want to raise a lawyer or an engineer you have to start early you don't want to raise some kind of a comedian or something (laughs) so so they decided to send me to the best girls school in Bangladesh which at the time was a school called Holy Cross Girls Academy now that yeah Holy Cross as in Jesus as in (laughs) Catholic school Uh, and my mom was super not happy about that like she was okay but she just kind of worried about me hanging out with too many Catholic girls and becoming too Catholic. Like I had friends named Victoria and Karen and Cindy and she worried about that right sure. of like oh who are you hanging out with at school um so they, I sound, learned, they sound like badass yeah like karen especially Woo, what a troublemaker um <laughs> she, was, she was six um so i learned very quickly to separate my home self and my school self because i saw how it affected my mother so uh you know at school i would sit at lunch with all these girls and you know bite share lunch and like bite into a pork roll even though it was haram. I know. A pork roll? It's so good. It was so tasty. It was covered in dough. I was like, it shouldn't count if it's covered in dough. So <laughs> if I'm, you can't see it. Yeah. It's, it, I can't see it. I can't smell it. It's going directly and It's all going to photosynthesize it the same way because I'm a plant. <laughs> uh, and then, but at home, I would come home from school and my religion teacher, my Quran teacher, would be waiting for me in the living room and then we would spend an hour practicing Arabic. Like, just trying to undo the whole thing. Yeah, just get all that pork right out of me. So it, I learned very quickly that there were kind of two versions of myself that existed. Um, now, a couple years after this, uh, this is in 2003 when I was 13 years old, uh, I was living in Ethiopia with my family at the time when my mom was diagnosed with breast cancer. And that diagnosis kind of split our family in four directions because my dad... He was moving to uh, Tazakistan at the time for work. In fact, it wasn't really, it was kind of unsure where he was going, but he was like, I think I'm going to Tazakistan and we don't know what the medical facilities or the schooling would be like there. Um, so he decided to send my mom uh, for her treatment to Germany and then sending my, my brother was 17 at the time, so he decided to come to Canada for university, and then my dad looked at me, and he was like, I don't know what to do with you, so we're just gonna send you to boarding school in Windsor, Connecticut.
0: (laughs) Windsor, Connecticut.
4: Yeah. Not the Windsor, Ontario. Not the great pizza Windsor. Okay. The... Windsor, Connecticut. For boarding school. Yeah. Super... Weird choice. Okay. You know what? It, uh... If you've ever seen the show Gilmore Girls, you have seen my high school experience. Oh, really? Not kidding. Yeah. Wow, It was based on... It's so... That show gets a lot of things right. Um, But yeah, so I got sent to boarding school. And the night before my flight to boarding school, I remember my mom came into my room and she leaned in really close to my face and she whispered, never sleep in the same bed as another girl. And I was like, this is your advice the night before I'm leaving? And she was like yeah, you're dumb and they'll trick you, so just be really careful. She didn't call you dumb. Yeah, she did. (laughs) (laughs) She did. My mama did. Oh Um, boy. She was like, they'll trick you, so, you know, just don't do it. Bad things happen when girls in America sleep in the same bed together. And I was like, that's your tip? Okay, fine. So the next morning I woke up and I got on my flight and flew to, you know, the Loomis Chafee School in Windsor, Connecticut. And my experience of boarding school like from the moment I landed I was like oh this is heaven it was my first taste of freedom because up until then I had been my mom's little angel uh that she felt she had to protect and at boarding school I was living with all of my best friends uh on Saturday nights the faculty would invite us over to have nachos and watch law and order SVU like it was just like cool time it was great that does actually sound cool it was pretty fun it was great uh those nachos were delicious um and then at boarding school is also where i kind of learned a lot of things that I wasn't exposed to in Bangladesh or in with my family. So I learned that gay people exist. And boarding school is also where I learned that like I maybe sort of really like sleeping next to American girls. Um, so, so this is the time that you realized you were... Yeah, I realized I was queer in boarding school. I mean, I think I obviously realized obviously, it's a weird word. Yes. But it was like the first time that I was like, oh, this makes
0: sense. This feeling is, is right. Do you think your mom knew that deep down and that's why she said that? That seems like Um, a very specific thing to say to someone.
4: Yeah, I've always wondered that. I genuinely think she just thought I was dumb and would get tricked into it. I really think that's what it was. I don't know (laughs) for sure, but that's that's my theory. Um, So yeah, boarding school was great. I had a great time, and then uh, in June of 2007... Uh, I graduated high school, and just like that, boarding school was over, and I went from the peak of freedom to moving back in with my mom, uh, who had finished treatment in Germany and was now living in Canada, so I moved from uh, boarding school back into her apartment in Toronto, and that was a struggle. Uh, We, again, the The shohana that left at 13 is not the shohana that came back at 17, and she couldn't really wrap her head around that. Um, We fought a lot about the littlest things, about some big things, too. Like, she wanted me to be home by 6 p.m. every night. She wanted me to learn how to cook Bengali food or do laundry or clean, and I just was not having any of that. I was like, nope. And also, I had to go back in the closet, which was really not a great time were
0: you out while in in school
4: in boarding school I was yeah wow. because I had no family around I had no
0: fear I was like this is the best and time. you felt like accepted and you could
4: yeah wow that's yeah. great. yeah I had really really supportive friends who just were completely okay with it um and then I moved here and all of that was gone like all of that support was gone and wow. I, I had no because I moved here with nothing to do really I wasn't going to school I didn't have any friends I didn't have any hobbies I was just kind of trapped at home under my mom's watch yeah so it was really tough and again we fought about the big things but we also fought about little things like she one of the biggest fights we had was about CP24 because she was obsessed with watching CP24
0: Uh. like she yeah everyone's favorite right cp-24 is an assault on the census yes there's so much going on anyone not from toronto listening to this cp-24 is like a news station that has like the stock market and headlines scrolling down the bottom the weather on the right the traffic report ads it, all in one image all in one image it's an assault to the to
4: uh the census for sure. Um, so she would wake up every morning at 6 a.m., turn on her kettle, and turn on CP24. And that was her favorite thing. And I could not take it. The jingles about buying or selling your gold, I just, I was losing it. I was like, I cannot have this. And we fought so much. Like, we fought over the remote and we fought for three weeks until my dad finally, he was in Thailand at the time working. He was like, Okay, you know what? I'm just gonna fix this. I'm gonna buy a second TV for your mom, so your mom will get a small TV in her bedroom that she can watch, and you can have a big TV in the living room. So I was like, great, peace. Um, fast forward to November of 2007. It's uh, specifically the date is November 18, 2007. I Have a weird thing about remembering dates. I think you're I very that good earlier.
0: at remembering dates. It's really. I have a feeling you don't forget anyone's birthday. Oh, all of my exes. I remember their
4: birthdays. <laughs> every year and I hate it Um, yeah I never forget dates so November 18, 2007 it's a Sunday it's uh, you know I always say like it was the Lord's Day like the Catholic schools and uh, Catholic school girls taught me Um, and it I was in bed in the afternoon just kind of like about to fall asleep when I heard a knock on my door and I look and it's my mom and she's standing against the door frame and she looks kind of puzzled like she looks a little bit concerned and I just look at her I was like what's going on what's up and she doesn't answer right away and I like at this point we're obviously speaking in Bengali I'm like Ki hoise? what is it what's going on and she goes Ami buchina, which means I don't understand Ki what don't you understand like what is happening and she sighs really heavily and there's a long pause and then she asks "Shanta Shantakloski which means, who is Santa Claus? And I just stare at her and I realize that i this is why I have never fit in. It's like this is the gap that I have with the rest of the world. Because... As I discovered, November 18, 2007 was the day of the annual Santa Claus parade in Toronto. <laughs> right. And my mom had woken up and turned on CP24 that morning to see something that she could not understand. She had no idea who this man was on her TV screen wearing, like, ridiculous red clothes and a beard. And he kept yelling, ho, 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 instead of giving her breaking news. Like, she was just like, I don't get it. She told me that she looked up in her pocket
0: dictionary, like, what ho, ho, ho means, and she couldn't find it. Oh, my... You know what? You can't blame her, though, because, I mean, the concept of Santa is normalized if you grow up with Santa but if I'm imagining I'm an alien from outer space and someone explains Santa it would seem so bizarre
4: it was nuts and we like at this point I'm trying to explain to her I'm like oh he's a he's a guy he's a Christmas man he brings <laughs> gifts gifts for kids and she's like none of what you're saying makes any sense right now you sound ridiculous she and then we kept talking and as we kept talking I was like I don't know my about Santa either like she asked me like why is his his job to deliver presents instead of Jesus and I was like that's a a great question mom why is he the judge
0: of childhood more moral yeah
4: like, compass yeah no one knows what has he done in his childhood that he gets to have this position yeah, this
0: no is, one knows it's time santa gets knocked off his high horse
4: yeah seriously this is this is what i'm all about um,
0: Sorry, <laughs> no, I, I, you just really you kind of blew my mind with this santa stuff <laughs> yeah
4: um she blew my mind with the santa stuff because i was like i don't know much about santa and as we keep having this conversation i also realize like Oh this is why we fight so much because there's this gap. There's this gap that's been growing ever since I left home and you know she kind of went her path and I kind of went her my path and now we don't communicate. Like we don't know how to communicate because we're very different people now. Um so it was it was it was funny but it was also a really sad moment where I was like, "Oh, this is why my mom's uncool and this is why we don't really get along." And I kind of found myself wondering like will we ever find a way to communicate again? It was... That's heavy. Yeah, it got it got real heavy, but it was okay. So as we kept talking about Santa Claus, I just got to a point where I was like, you know what, it's fine. I will take you to the mall and you can ask Santa all these questions in person. Oh my
1: and, God, and, that poor and,
4: actor. I know, <laughs> that poor underpaid actor. Uh, I was like, you know what, it'll be okay. He'll The mall Santas will answer all of your questions and that'll be it. So over the next, that was in 2007. So over the next 10 years, my mom and I kind of settle into our lives here in Toronto. You know, I start going to school and making friends and, you know, I start liking it a lot more here. And my mom also um, started volunteering at a daycare and taking ESL classes. Like we both just kind of found our people. Um, And then... I hated the winters here at first but slowly they kind of grew on me and one winter I actually asked my mom I was like hey it would be really nice if we got like a Christmas tree for our living room and she instantly was like no way I'll cook you a turkey dinner for Christmas but there's no way I'm getting you the tree of the infidels that's actually what she called it and I was like that is so dramatic and she would not budge on it like we fought about it again this was one of our long fights where I was like it doesn't have to mean anything. I can get a small plastic tree from Dollarama. Nope. Okay, what if I get it and I don't even put it in the living room? What if it's in my bedroom? No, the tree of the infidels is not entering my home. Like, we fought for so long. And at the end, I was finally like, you know what? I it's Fine, this is your home. You get to have the rules. Like, someday when I'm living alone, I'm going to have it my way. And I'll get a Christmas tree from my house and you'll watch. And that's how we left it. So I have a thing for remembering dates, as I mentioned earlier, and uh, we are sitting in March 2020 right now, and exactly three years ago, on March 4, 2017, I picked up our house phone, and I dialed 911, because at some point during that afternoon, my mother had slipped into a coma. She was battling lung cancer at the time and it was stage four she wasn't doing well she wasn't eating she wasn't sleeping she was tired all the time so when she didn't get out of bed that morning we just assumed she was sleeping none of us realized it was anything more than that uh over the next week i watched my mom sleep in her hospital bed i sat next to her i held her hand and i mumbled stupid prayers that I did not believe in and I told her I love you over and over and over again words that I could never say to her when she was awake and I just I just watched I just watched as she became less and less of herself and more and more like a child Um, by the end of that week I was feeding her I was changing her diapers I was cleaning her body all of it oh my god Um, yeah. And on March 11, 2017, she passed away in her sleep. And I, I love her. I miss her so much. I think about her constantly. I wear her wedding ring on my finger. I have her name tattooed behind my ear. I keep this grocery note she once wrote in my wallet at all times. It, I mean, I, Literally and figuratively carry her with me everywhere I go. I now live alone and sometimes I will sit in my apartment alone and I'll look around me. At I have photos of her in my apartment and I'll look at those photos and I'll think about the fact that now when my girlfriend and I are at my apartment, my mom's looking down and she knows. And I get really weird thinking about that. I think about the fact that we never got to see Santa. Like we never found the time to go to the mall to for her to get all her answers questions answered. And I think about the fact that 3 years later I still can't bring myself to buy a Christmas tree every winter.
0: That is so it's even more heart-wrenching hearing this story one-on-one and not in an audience of people. Oh Why? Well, I, I... Okay, first off, I discuss it. That's such a beautiful story, mm-hmm. and I'm so sorry that you lost your mother. Thank you. Um, I actually have a, a relationship with my own mom that's very, like, we do not see eye to eye, and, and I often worry that if she knew me in any other capacity, she wouldn't even like me as a human being.
4: Oh, man. You
0: know that feeling? Yeah. And... I guess, like, if you could distill this experience into a message for anyone who has maybe a a relationship with their mom that's confrontational and Mm -hmm. and strained, Mm -hmm. what have you learned from all this? It's
4: all about the small moments that you take for granted. Uh, When my mom and I were living together, we used to fight and, you know, get into arguments and whatnot, but every once in a while we would sit on her bed together and actually watch cp24 together and now i think back to those moments and those were i think just watching tv and chatting about your day like that's as simple as it can get and that's that's human connection that's love so just don't take those small moments for granted because that's that's what you'll miss the most like i if i could go back i would lose every argument i ever had with her just to be able to hear her voice again just to be able to sit next to her and watch stupid freaking CP24 again so don't don't take those small moments for granted
0: thank you so much for sharing your story thank you for having me this was so lovely um so beautiful I'm gonna be thinking about it constantly um is there anything you'd like to promote, or how can we see you? We want to see more things that you oh, do. Oh, boy. Um, well, I am in a in two
4: sketch troops. Uh, so I am performing with Not Oasis at the Toronto Sketch Comedy Festival tonight. That's t- on
0: right now. Yeah, that's it, happening it, it, Listen, right now. listeners, you won't be able to see it by the time this comes out, but trust me, it went great.
4: Yeah, it was great. Uh, and... I'm also in a sketch comedy troupe called Dead Parent Society. It's a. Oh,
0: man! Yeah, it's a surprise! I know, I
4: know. Come on! Yeah. It's it's a comedy, I swear. It's a comedy about grief. Um, We had a, a. it's me and four other comedians in our 20, uh, 20s who all lost a parent at a young age. We oh. felt like aliens walking through the world until we found each other and the connection we had is what helped us find comedy in our experiences and it is honestly like it's my it's my favorite thing i've ever worked on it means the world to me and it is also my tribute to my mother. So that's
0: beautiful. Dead parent
4: society. Thank <laughs> dead. you
0: parent society
4: yeah so dead parent society is happening as part of the uh as part of the toronto sketch comedy festival next weekend uh march 12 thirteen, fourteen, at uh streetcar crow's nest um you can find us online uh search for dead parent society we're probably one of the only ones you'll find on facebook and instagram and you can also follow me on instagram at solie so that's s-o-l-e-a-h-m Um, yeah
0: thank you for being on the show thank you for having me Bye. (laughs) on my couch right now is comedian and storyteller Elaine Gold hi
3: hi Lindsay I'm so glad to meet you and be on your big comfy couch oh thank you um
0: we're talking about, about moms and that very complicated relationship between child and parent, specifically moms. That's such a hang up for some people. Um, may I just ask
3: you, you are a mom. I have three offspring. And you had a mom. Absolutely. And, and I even have a granddaughter. Oh, wow. So I have a lot of that maternal energy in my life. Yeah. All
0: right. So I'm
3: just going to like let you take it away because you know your life. Tell me your story about your mother. Okay, so this is uh, just a snippet really of all the many amazing things that went on with my mother and I. So when I was about 26, uh, my mom lived in St. Catharines and I lived in Toronto and she used to come into Toronto all the time to hang out with me. This occasion was specifically to take me um, underwear, or maybe we could call it lingerie shopping. I wasn't going to go for any... Your
0: mom wanted to Yeah, my mom
3: wanted to buy me better underwear than she thought I had. And some of my uh, perfume that I wore. Why, you wonder? Well, because she was, I guess, really wanting to tart me up even further (laughs) because I was dating uh, an older man who was... um, a conductor and a composer and had conducted the St. Catherine symphony when I was a little girl. A, and yeah. I found out that my mom and all the Jewish women in St. Catherine's had had a big crush on this dude. Oh, so she's like living vicariously through you. Exactly. Wow. I mean, nice she, weird start to this story. So weird. But because my mother and I always had a very, very close and unusual dynamic, which I'll get into in a minute, Um, nothing that went on between us seemed unusual. We talked about everything. There was nothing I couldn't talk to my mom about. So she was really intrigued with the fact that I was sleeping with this man and she uh, I remember her talking about him when I was a kid and saying that she liked his boyish good looks. Oh my God. She actually talked about him when you were a child. Yeah, I was like 13 oh, or 14. That's so weird. Okay. Yeah, but I never thought it was weird. I was like, yeah, whatever. I don't know. And, um, so I ended up meeting him because I was living with my best friend who, uh, is still my best friend and he was, is gay and he was having a relationship with this guy's son okay. so my best gay roommate friend and his boyfriend set we're setting us up right. as a thing and my uh, friend's boyfriend said oh my dad loves younger women and i know you like older men let's make it happen <laughs> oh my god so that's how that happened so we started going out and it was um It was okay. You know, he was just sort of an arrogant older guy. And, um, but my mom was like beside herself. First of all, he was Jewish. And you know, the whole thing when you're Jewish is your mom wants you to be sleeping with a Jewish man. Right. Right. So we were having, you know, we were talking and looking at underwear and, and stuff. And my mother said, I have something to tell you that you don't know. And I said, what do you mean? I know everything. I know everything about you. I know everything about our family. We have no secrets we're a family that all we do is talk right no one in my family has ever said i don't want to talk about it right so i said what what is it she said well when you were six weeks old and uh i was unwell um psychologically mentally emotionally i was taken away from you and i was put in the hamilton mental health facility When I was a kid, we called it Hamilton on the Hill. It was like stuff of nightmares. So here I was finding out at age 26 that maybe the reason that I hadn't had a decent relationship and had all sorts of trust issues and was just completely messed up emotionally was that I wasn't with my mom. I can really relate to this idea of the the attachment issues. Yes. With a parent and and you
0: kind of feel... Inconsistencies, exactly, and then it stresses you out,
3: fucks up all your romantic relationships fucks up all my romantic relationships, yeah. which I'll get to more to later. So I was shocked. I wasn't upset. I was obviously I wasn't mad at her because it was out of her hands. No one wants to leave a six week old baby, and I did some research um about 15 years ago so many years after this conversation with my mother and it was after she had died where I wrote a letter uh an old timey letter on paper with a stamp and everything and I mailed it to this uh mental health facility and because that was so long ago they didn't have of course nothing was on computer and they did say that as far as they knew they didn't have exact dates but she was there until almost the end of October okay Okay, so if I do a little bit of math, that's August, September, October. So I think she went at the maybe third week of August and she was gone until the end of October. So I was without my mother as a newborn baby Mm -hmm. for all I'm going to say is way too fucking long. Right. Okay, And I was looked at. Who was looking after me? I said, that was my first question. Well, my Bubby, which is what Jewish people call their uh, grandmother, her name is Clara. She, it's my mom's mom. She was one of the people. Mm-hmm. My dad, but I mean, he was at work and he's not to be sexist, but he's a man. Yeah. And 64 years ago, men were not the right. child rearing stars they might be now. Right, and apparently there was some random Scottish woman that came in to look after me. I don't know either. as you do as you do. You um. get some <laughs> type of a nannyish type person, but that meant okay. Obviously, I had no breast milk. I did have some breast milk in the first six weeks, apparently. So,
0: um, just moving on to the next bit because this is this is what really um, uh, caught my attention when you told me before. You uh, kind of had, I don't know. Is it a full circle moment with an unexpected surprise in your dating life?
3: Yes. Well, I, um, so we talked and we laughed and I said, mom, you know, whatever, I love you. And my mother and I were always incredibly close. So six months later, uh, I'm still seeing this dude and I wake up one morning and, uh, I say to my roommate who had introduced me to this man, I said, I'm pregnant. Oh, Wow. And I said, he said, how do you don't know that you're pregnant? How do you know that you're pregnant? You haven't had a test. You don't know anything about it. I said, I've been pregnant twice before. And I had abortions when I needed to have them because it's a woman's mm-hmm. right. And it's legal. Mm-hmm. And I said, I know I'm pregnant. And so. You just physiologically I just feel it. felt every inch of me. And maybe when it's your third time, your body really kicks in. Right. And. I said to him, what am I going to do? Am I going to, I'm someone that really, really, really wants to have a baby. Mm -hmm. But am I going to have another abortion because I'm not in a stable situation? Am I ever going to be in a stable situation? Given what my mom told me six months ago, I don't know if I'll ever be in a stable situation because I can't trust anyone i have horrible attachment issues and i maybe never am going to be in a situation where i can say this is now perfect although nothing is ever perfect Mm -hmm. so i don't know what to do so the very first thing i did of course was tell my mom and my mother was excited in a way if i was going to go through with it and i was excited and when i i told her i was and I went, and I did have a proper pregnancy blood test because I didn't even want to waste the money to go to the uh, shopper's drug mart and get a pregnancy test. So I found out 100% I'm pregnant. And it was the conductor go? The conductor. Now, this is a shock to me, and I'm just going to get a little, uh, give you a little bit of a physiological uh, sex test. Oh, I'm I had excited.
0: An, I don't get enough of those. No,
3: you're going to get some instruction here. I had an IUD in, uh uh-huh. firmly there, Uh, The man I was having sex with was 24 years older. Now now I'm so old that he was 50, and that doesn't really seem old to me. But he was uh, an alcoholic, sort of in that charming, creative way. He changed... (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) The things we tell ourselves. The way we romanticize that. Yeah. Okay, cute. Yeah. Uh, He was a chain smoker of marijuana, which was fine. I'm a big weed smoker, still am to this day. You're saying the swimmers shouldn't have been good. And he was a, a chain a cigarette smoker so and many of the times when we went to do the sex he couldn't get it up so in my mind I'm adding this all up and I'm saying there's nothing that should be growing in that life finds a way in that IUD cavity and I was pregnant and I said you know what I think this is my baby this is the baby that I am supposed to have how it got here, I don't know. I want to ask you yeah. this: um, Do you think your
0: mom admitting that stuff to you that day while panty shopping helped
3: uh, tilt the scales about making this choice? I think it did, but I didn't. I wasn't even aware of it until the moment I sat in my apartment, feeling nauseous with tender breasts, saying oh no, this is it. I'm doing this.
1: Hmm.
3: And so shocked, couldn't believe it. And I said to my roommate, what should I do? And he said, I'll always be there for this child. And I said, really? Cause this isn't just a time when you think you're trying out a new routine at yuck yucks. Like this is like a bigger deal. Right. He said, no, no, I get it. And we made this and although still i wasn't going to live with him he wasn't going to help me ri- ri- he'd sort of help me raise it but he wasn't there hands on so it was all going to fall on me and i was about to become a single mother no i forgot to imagine that i'm also going to be a single pregnant woman and that was hard because i romanticized that all every other pregnant woman but me was being loved and fetid and padded and taken care of by this perfect um, partner and that that's not even what happens okay so anyway I decided though um oh and the whole thing was it was all still in my mind like that my mother hadn't been there for me and now I'm gonna have a baby and my mother had been in this horrible horrible Um, institution that had you know something I'd heard of as a kid and I couldn't imagine and now I was going to be a mother and was I going to be okay because my mother had this terrible postpartum and look what it had done to me so so what changed all that for you what altered your perspective on that I think because my mother and I had become so close once yeah, and she had other mental health issues right. when I was a little girl where she was taken to other but, mental health facilities. But my mother and I, we formed a bond. Well, first of all, part of it was that I didn't ever want to be away from her.
0: Right. But of course,
3: at the time, I didn't know why. So, but your relationship got a lot closer as you got older. It got stronger and stronger and stronger. And my mother was the most amazing woman. She was a Jewish woman who was obsessed with everything Scottish. She did Scottish country dancing. She had tons of Scottish friends. She um, loved, although My Fair Lady, not a Scottish uh, musical. Everyone's speaking with a Cockney accent. My mother could do Cockney accent. She could do British accent. She would sing the whole soundtrack of My Fair Lady in a Cockney accent. She was just wacky. She loved yoga. She loved dancing. She loved cooking. She loved people. She loved having people over. So my mother and I, my mother did the most amazing things and she was nurturing and my friends all loved her and just the most beloved woman. And I was always really, really grateful to have her as my mother. And so much so I'll give you an example. When I was a little girl, like long after my mother you know was not she wasn't institutionalized although she had been off and on but maybe I was seven or eight and mm-hmm. I remember saying to um, one of my friends boy well, yeah I feel sorry for you because you don't have a, an amazing mom like I do I felt sorry for my girlfriends because they didn't have such a good mother like me I, I just felt like I had the best mother wow. so anyway when when I was pregnant I knew 100%, That I was going to go and live with my parents in St. Catharines. I hate St. Catharines. And I was going to take my baby and I hoped it would be a girl. And I was very lucky and I had a girl. And I named her after my bubby who had looked after me. And I went to St. Catharines with my baby when she was five days old. My dad drove us. And I remember we stopped at the drugstore just before we got home to my parents' house and bought a box of diapers. And... It was the most amazing time of my life and I almost still cry and you might even get me to every time I think about it. And it's 30, almost 38 years ago because my mother and I got to be with my newborn and my mother, I got to see my mother with my newborn daughter and I got to see them bond. Plus she was named after my mother's mother and and it kind of... It was like my mom had a do-over. It heals it, yeah. It, and it totally healed. Although I had no... On one hand, I thought I had gone through it okay. Uh-huh. But on the other hand, now that I'm 64, and I look back on my long train of relationships, I will call them all failed relationships. I have never had a good relationship. And now I look back at that, and I see what that had done to me, although no one wanted me hurt like that, but that's literally brain damage on a newborn. (laughs) Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. Well, so you had that moment of healing totally and and that's really beautiful. Right. And my daughter um, has a little girl and my, the little girl is named after my mother and I'm happy to report that my daughter is in an amazing relationship with an incredible man. Because I didn't want my curse to fall on her. And it all ended up well. Except I'm still single. And I have never had a decent relationship. But, but you well. have a Tinder date tonight. You told I me. have a Tinder so date that's tonight. Exciting. I've had many, many Tinder dates. I've been online dating off and on for the last 10 years. And I'm kind of sick of it. But you know what? I'm going to end this on a positive
0: note. Because oh, yeah. we, we seesaw back and forth. But I want to end it on a positive note. I think your date's going to go great.
3: You know what? Just hearing you say that makes me confident it will. Thank you for that good vibe. Thank you for
0: being on the show. Loved Um, it. Can you
3: promote any shows so people can come watch you? Well, if everyone loved what I did and you want to see more of this malarkey, yes, I'm going to do um, Crimson Wave at Comedy Bar on Sunday, March 15th at 9.30. I'd love for you to come to that show because it's always fabulous. And I'm also doing a comedy show at Social Capital on March 27th. And that show is at 10 o'clock. PM and I maybe I'll see you there. Thank you. Thank
2: you. Thanks for being on the show. Loved it. Bye.
0: All righty. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of Truce Be Told, the podcast, Mommy Magic. Thanks, guys. Thank you for taking a break from the coronavirus pandemic to enjoy this podcast. Actually, you know what? That's, uh, that's an assumption. Maybe you're not taking a break from the coronavirus pandemic. Maybe you are hearing this episode months and months and months and months in the future, and you're thinking right now, <laughs> coronavirus, that was a while ago. That was a weird two weeks wow, this this episode is a weird time capsule from a time nobody cares about anymore. Now that the subway mole people are ruling the earth and humans have been wiped out. Guys, I'm joking. The mole people are not going to rule the earth. They're going to stay in the subway and we will keep acting as though... We rule the earth, even though we don't. No one's bigger than nature. Let's move on. Okay, guys, thanks so much for listening to this episode of Truths Be Told, the podcast. And I don't want to just thank you. I want to thank all the people involved in this episode, starting with my fabulous guests. Yes, yes, yes. Thank you to Christy Bruce, Aurora Brown, and Shohana Sharman, and Elaine Gold. You guys were awesome. Thank you for sharing your truths with me. Thank you also to Matthew Reed. He made the music for this podcast. Thank you to Katherine Fogler, who did the podcast photography. Thank you to Kurt Furla, who did the graphic design on that podcast photography. Thank you to the boys at the Sonar Network, Michael Mongiardi and Cody Crane. They produced this podcast. And if you haven't heard some of the other podcasts on the Sonar Network, you are missing out. Go look them up. They're great. Thank you to everybody. Thank you to Trevor Pullman. Oh, my God, Trevor. He helps me edit this podcast, and I need him. Thanks so much, Trevor. Guys, if you want to follow me on Instagram, you can. My handle is at Linzomullo, that's L-I-N-D-S-O-M-U-L-L-O. And you can send me a direct message, because as I mentioned last episode, Truth Be Told is coming to an end quite shortly. And if you want to send me a question to answer, I'm going to be taking questions and answering them on the very last episode. You can ask me about the show itself, my personal experiences. It'll be fun. I love Q&As. So send me a question through Instagram. Direct message me. Slide into my DMs. Yes. Please tell your friends about this podcast. And please stick around until the very end on episode 30. Yes. You've been a fabulous audience. You're going to get through this tough time. And uh, you will hear my voice again soon with more stories. Yeah. All right, guys. Take care of yourselves. Bye-bye.